everybody, welcome to the 38th episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And before we get started, customary reminder, please subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, uh, leave us some love, leave us some reviews. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at mathcoreindex at gmail.com. We've got some live footage up right now from the Fest, MathCore Index Fest 2019. Seizures uh, footage is going up tomorrow, Friday. And uh, if you'd like to get early access to exclusive content like those live sets, um, any um, podcasts that we do and other stuff, you can uh, become a supporter of our Patreon. We've also just recently started collecting and restoring classic MathCore show footage so that's a pretty cool idea but um uh the i'm totally robbing hate five six i'm not even gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> uh the the dillinger footage Full credit to that person. the dillinger footage is the vhs rip huh uh yes yes that is uh, fr- uh, a vhs rip contributed from brett from uh steak sauce mustache i just love the contribution the, the whole yeah that great. was that was a really essential one so thanks so much for that brett so if you want to uh be a part of the voting process and help us decide what footage we're putting out next it's obviously going to be dillinger this time uh you can go ahead and Go to patreon.com slash mathcoreindex. So um, we also want to thank our Patreon supporters at this time. So thanks so much to Andrew, Andre, Andy, Austin, Caleb, Cameron, Carter, Adolfo, Chris, Eric, Daniel, David, Dennis, Dylan, Eli, Eric, Evan, Grady, Dimitri, Isaac, Jacob, Jamie, Jasper, Chris, Jeff, Jeremiah, Jesse, Jesse, Kent, Kevin, Chris, Matt, Mike, Ollie, Otis, Phil, Richard, Rory, Sam, Sean, the whole Sinza crew, Tim, Trade Winder, excuse me, that's a Coney, <laughs> and uh, another person who is remaining anonymous. Thank you so much for your support. Okay, so now we got that out of the way. The first band that we're going to talk about is King of Ling. King of Ling are a four-piece heavy hardcore mathcore band from Syracuse, New York. They started last year, but they've already released a full-length album, Grievance, last month, and it's a really strong debut. Yeah, uh, teased with a few singles, and then uh, went from there. I mean, it usually expect these bands to like ramp up with a few EPs and a, like a few singles over like a long period of time, and then eventually release that full length after they've garnered some like attention. But they they're a new band, and they've already got this full length album out. Very confident, truly. Um, and it's uh, I would describe it as heavy hardcore or metalcore in like the conventional sense, but. They do have brief bouts of like mathcore explosiveness. I was really looking for the mathcore, um, but yeah, all in all, just metalcore. Um, and yeah, once again, mean that in the nicest way possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's very metalcore for sure. Like the breakdowns, it's uh, it's very more like hardcore leaning, and it's rude. I think is what we mean by that, especially at the start of this release. But as the album progresses, it becomes more and more chaotic, which um, almost makes the payoff for me. As much as I love heavy hardcore and like straightforward beatdowns or breakdowns, if you will, I really enjoy it when this band gets more experimental and chaotic. This band had me going track by track following them. Uh, classic thing. Uh, thank you for posting the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, and so I, I just, I really appreciated it. It'll, every song was grabbing me in the right way. Very every time I die in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... It, this dude's vocals remind me so much of Keith Keith Buckley at times. Yeah, you know, there's. Uh, it's funny you say that. I think I definitely noted some uh, some Buckleyisms on this release. So it really, I followed track by track. I really enjoyed this the the whole record. Uh, it, and Christian was right. It definitely just did not stop. It was relentless the whole way. Yeah, and it's uh, they're like really politically and like socially conscious too, which frankly I love. Read the fucking lyrics. They're good. They're really <laughs> fucking good, man. Um. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. At the start of this record, they kind of remind me a lot of Stray from the Path. And then it's got this super bouncy, like almost like hip hop feel to it. Okay. Especially with Grievance, um, that, that first track, which is of course the title track, which is it's almost more of an intro of sorts. But the second track, Racist, is like the first substantial song of the album. And all of a sudden, about halfway through Racist, there's just like huge fucking breakdown, all in Knocked Loose. They, um, that's where I, I kind of see it fit to apply that heavy hardcore tag. Yep, nailed that for sure. Racist was my favorite track, dude. I really dug it. I gotta say, I really liked Predator. Um, I think that's where the album really takes off. It that's track three, and it seems to me they really held back their best material until later into the album. And I think that Predator is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Like that song sees the band actually breaking into the first certifiably mathcore material on the album. Um, they really bring that like raw energy, as you were saying, like kind of similar to Every Time I Die, or I would say The Chariot. Yep, yep. Especially about halfway through this song where they break into that first stuttering staccato sequence. It's like, you know, we all know and love that kind of language um, with a little like electronic breakbeat. Yep. It quickly slides back into that super heavy hardcore sound. But anyway, um, I think they make that formula actually work for them time and time again on this release. Like, I really haven't seen since Mouth Breather. I think Mouth Breather was the first band that I was like, okay, this is a heavy hardcore mathcore band. You know, they, they kind of broached both of those sounds. And this is another band that's doing it with a bit more of a polished and kind of like more more purely metal aesthetic even. Um, yeah, this is like a nice, a fairly nice flow to this album, despite it just being like a debut debut release. Um, Shame, I'm not sure if you got into that one, but it's kind of a slow burner. There's like a really like synth heavy moment that precedes a breakdown that really recalled for me Code Orange followed by like a hilarious Donald Trump quote. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah. The breakdowns, by the way, ever, they, uh, they're they all uh, just, they're specific. It, it's not the same breakdown all the time. Uh, I really, really was looking for them. And that's what I think like early metalcore did. It didn't it wasn't saturated in breakdowns. You really had to work for it and wait for it. Dude, you know? Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, they, they kind of illustrate some restraint throughout this record. They don't just immediately throw those giant breakdowns at you. Yep. I mean, I'll take that. But it's also like I, I do appreciate the every time I die approach. Where I really got to listen to all th- three minutes and forty seconds until I get to the end for that one sweet little you know twenty second bash there. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, there's there's a ton. Yeah, that's that's a good point. There's a lot of songs like that in the yep. catalog. I see. I can see what you mean by that comparison. Yep. Um. And you know, there's this other part that I thought was kind of funny. Like, did you hear that hand clapping bit? Like in neglect. I don't remember it. God, it's such like a, a funny choice, but um, my, my point being is I thought it was interesting that they took some risks here. They tried a lot of different things on this record, again, with it being their debut. Um, like on Temperament, which, like several other tracks on this release, is like five minutes long, but has like a grindcore sequence. But how many bands do that where it's like they start as something, it's just like oversaturation. Not not saying this is oversaturated, just doing a lot of things, and then they, you know, they'll, they'll refine it down, you know, maybe they won't they won't have hand claps next time you know just weird things like that you know well tell, i mean I, I was actually applauding that experimentation really but yeah i okay. think that's i think that was cool i think they took a lot of risks that paid off on this fucking album um i also really liked follow again just getting back into the fact that later into this album it really starts developing nicely like they break back into like that more math course sound and the lyrics are super good um are you really obsequious to the point of total mental surrender follow the leader don't you dare cross our king. Um, I thought that was pretty pertinent. And that part right there, especially as Levi noted earlier, excuse me, it's just delivered with this really like Buckley-esque swagger. And it's fucking infectious, honestly. And again, this is a five-minute track we're talking about. So they really find ways to like 
stretch out sequences for dramatic effect. Yep. Especially given the following track, Follow, and Tension is just like kind of a, a two-minute drum and bass continuation of the former, but they managed to connect those two tracks together too. I also liked War too, just talking more about the tracks that I liked. I think the best track though, they saved the best for last with Annihilate. That just goes balls to the wall. The very best the band has to offer. Once again, working for it, waiting for it. Now yeah. at the end, you get it. This, you this know? album is a real, I, I wouldn't call it a slow burner because it really, it, it comes out of the gates pretty hard, but it uh, there's a big payoff through getting through this entire album. It just gets better and better and better and better. Yeah, you were speaking of those two tracks that are kind of like almost connecting each one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the thing. Just, just keep it going, keep going. Yeah, it's a, a real complete album experience as I've been noted to say on a ton of other, you know, <laughs> a ton of other I would, releases. But. I would agree with you, man. This was definitely one where I put like you know the bigger headphones on and just kind of sat back and listened to the whole thing. And it was once again, thank you for the lyrics. Very good lyrics, really well written and well written. And uh, it was just nice to uh, enjoy this album. Because likes to read the lyrics. I read lyrics sometimes. Whatever, it's no big deal. Um, and one last thing I loved about Annihilate, like I just have in my notes in all caps, air raid warning siren breakdown. Word. Because, <laughs> dude, you just know... Do you just wake up and just write those three things down? Because <laughs> you just know as soon as you hear that... It's like shit is about to fucking pop off in the pit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, right. dorks. Uh, so I guess, you know, uh, you list way too many fucking uh, tracks there. So what do you think... Uh, what's what's going to be the one we're going to jam? It's going to be Predator for sure. Word. Uh, track three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just all in all... Fairly ambitious full-length release from Kingling, um, and since the amount of notes I have here are already bordering a review, uh, I would give it a strong seven to light eight. So let's call it a seven point five. That's good. You know? Seven point seven five? No, higher. Seven point five. All right, that's fine. You know, honestly, my enjoyment was pretty fucking thorough. So yep. um, yeah, I could I could go for I could go close date. Like I said, light eight. Let's it's see. Good. What, let's um, see what you guys do next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fucking very very promising. There's very few things that I don't like about this release, actually. Um, and I would say it's for fans of Stray from the Path, Knocked Loose, and uh, Dead Kiwis to give you a very new. That's band. a more current one, absolutely. Yeah, forget that Dillinger Escape Plan. Forget the every time I die thing. Um, let's do let's do Dead Kiwis. I say I Dead like Kiwis because Dead Kiwis is such is so directly influenced by the Chariot, Dillinger Escape Plan, and Every Time I Die that I think that it kind of just neatly um, describes how this we've got a, a next generation of mathcore bands on yep. our hands right now. Yep. I think that's what we're looking at. That's ultimately what we were reviewing here on this podcast. We might, we'll squeeze in some other ones like Car Bomb and stuff, but the majority of this, it's, uh, it's New Blood, you know? Yeah, we, we tried to do um, we tried to do underground bands. I mean, there's just some bands that we have to fucking... Like, there's, how are we not going to talk about, you know, Car Bomb or Daughters? But yep. um, that's the, the whole point of Math Core Index is to showcase underground bands. So um, That being said, we're going to go ahead and listen to Predator, which is track three from King of Ling's new album, Grievance, and that came out on October 11th of 2019. Here we go.
So that was Predator, which is track three from Kingaling's new album, Grievance, and that came out on October 11th of 2019. That was a good choice of track. I'll give you that. Fuck yeah. I love that, that breakbeat, too. Yep. I, I forgot about everything in that track. There's a lot going on in that track. Dude, it's it's a real banger. It really, they have everything. The beatdown, the math core, the air raid siren warning. Yep. <laughs> it just, it just, it gets me. All right. So um, next we're going to talk about Sinzu. Sinzu are a three-piece mathcore post-hardcore band from Toulouse, France. Not to be confused with Oregon, uh, excuse me, Oregon's Sinza. Sinzu, like the Sinzu bean, a reference only DBZ fans are sure to understand, are a new band. Um, they just started in 2018 and released their debut EP, Austere, in September. What is the who's in the what's it? <laughs> Sinzu bean. It's a Dragon Ball Z reference. But what was it? What did you, you say? Did you just abbreviate it? Is that what you did? God, I fucking hate you. Why'd you? God damn it. I know. I'm, I'm ruining our podcast and corrupting your mind. You're ruining my anime love that I'm trying to come to, too. We're literally watching anime right now, by the way. What, tell them what we're watching right we're now. We're watching Appleseed, the OVA for all the nerds out there. Do you want, honestly, what, whenever he shows me, Not as the long as. bullshit computer animation one. As long as there's like blood or like robots killing robots, I'm pretty down with it. This one is kind of a, an underrated classic. I don't know. It, it, it's, yeah, I think it has a cult following, Appleseed, but um, it just didn't really have the same kind of like commercial success that like Gundam or yeah. Ghost in the Shell did. It's just not really... Um, there's just like this one OVA that we're watching now in a couple movies. I don't think there's really much more to the franchise. All right. Anyway. So, uh, so, 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 uh, Senzu. <laughs> uh, uh, I forgot we were talking about music for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, much like Kingling, this is another really ambitious and strong debut. Yeah, um, it's a debut. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Although this record doesn't have the same kind of, like, polished production that Kingling does. It, that is one of my marks, for yeah. sure. It's uh, it's a little more raw. It's a very, like, live-sounding recording quality. It touches on the punk hardcore feel that very, they have, you know? Like, very. I mean, the unpolished side. And it's good. I mean, we mean that in a good way. Absolutely. And that's not a, really a criticism. It's more of just, uh, I think, that may even been a an aesthetic choice for all we know. Yep. They didn't want to do an overly polished metalcore recording. I'm not sure if uh, the track uh, I Set myself, uh, myself on Fire is a screamo tip of the hat, but I hope it is. Man, that's probably my favorite track, by the way. Same here, dude, yeah. And I don't know if these guys were in bands before this, but they write music like seasoned veterans of the genre. Even though this is like a four-track EP, like one of them clears six minutes and the rest clear two and three minutes, so... It's a lot of shit packed into it. Yeah, the the six minute track is a little more of an emotive ride. Um, it's uh, it's definitely Truly. slows down slows down the pace a little bit for mm-hmm. sure. Um, the the little like I'm I'm guessing you call it uh, Christian. It's uh, the Rage Against the Machine thing. Uh, the scratching. Uh, the it wouldn't be fret, but it'd be like the the string scratching. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use that in that uh I think in Whirl, and that's my favorite track. I, I and they I, I I really like this little like. <laughs> not really sure what the fuck it is pick scrapes pick scrapes that's what we're looking for the terminology there yeah called a pick scrape yeah 
Um, I gotta say one more thing about that track. That 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 track was six minutes. Uh, really took me to alter name. is the name of the track. Yeah, alter. Uh, took me to a name. Oh, good fucking call. Yeah, it's very like just slow and meditative, enchanty yeah. in a way. Like, but with the one vocalist, you know, like mm. I just uh, yeah, really took me to name in a good way there. Um, good call. Yeah, well, yeah, good call for you. Yep. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. Um, yeah, talking about restraint again, they they really take time to sort of develop the introduction of this track and expand it for about two minutes until the vocals finally come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, again, I really like my, I set myself on fire because it's like the, the mathiest, it's like the most math chord It's track. the mathiest for sure. But, you know, it also is catchy too, which is a, a very hard balance to strike, you know, with the math chorus song. They're, it's like they're like doing this heavy, heavy Lolo thing, but also kind of tossing in this kind of like shoegaziness at some point. Like, it's well, kind of interesting. Getting back to Alter, yeah. D- yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Birds of Sorrow is the complete opposite of that. It's just a quick little two-minute banger, and it's very like just like punk, that kind of D-beat. Um, my other favorite track, though, was Whirl, as you were mentioning earlier, because it's just got that sneaky little chariot quote, disappointed I know you are, which I'm not going to uh, lie. And then, yeah. That really got me. yeah. But it's like then it goes another one or two like after that. It's but uh yeah um I, I definitely noticed the chariot little thing there. Do you know what if that is that is I think it's beautiful. If personally. that is a tip of the hat and Dude, if that it is obviously a homage. I think it's it's very obvious they are paying homage, and I think this is an excellent example of how to do so and not like as opposed to like robbing someone's like riff and trying to like sneakily slide it you know slide it into your song deliberate just rock it and be like this is what we are doing in this song. I hope we don't get sued. Again, it just seems disingenuous to, to to plagiarize, and I think that's the difference between paying homage and plagiarism. Plagiarism is that there's there's no um, plagiarism. The latter is uh, is definitely disingenuous. You're not being honest or transparent when you do that. When you're paying homage, you're just you're really calling attention to what you're doing. I'd I'd say. But if that becomes your fucking shtick, then we got another well, problem. See, I'm glad that you bring that up because. I dare say they flipped the this, this script on Skogin because Josh Skogin does exactly what you just described. I would call that a Skoginism in itself. Is My head. <laughs> dude, that's what Josh Skogin does. He is a big fan of appropriating somebody else's line for his own purposes while still keeping it very obviously a quotation and using it for his own his own purposes. Maybe you can only do he that. Does that a lot? Maybe you can only do that once, and then it's just his thing. You know, can't be anybody else's. So maybe he gets away with it, like a Skogenism. Uh, well, so yeah, I think that they got Skogen. I, I always say Skogen. 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 I don't fucking know. Can someone get back? Get, get on. Get get to us on that. How do you fucking say this guy's name? We, we can't agree on it apparently. <laughs> and then just just email us so we have to still pronounce it and not know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I'm really glad that you bring that point up because yeah, I, I feel like that's something that he does quite frequently. Yep. Um, so wrapping it up here, I would say that they're for fans of seizures. I'm um, just given that they've got kind of like a dreamy, like you were saying, kind of shoegazy feel to them. Yep. Botch um, with those grooves and uh, Fear of Lux with the fact that they've just kind of got uh, some melodic sensibilities too. Rest in peace. Rest in peace indeed. Press F. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we should listen to I Set Myself on Fire, Nay. Wow, I thought you were going to go with World, but let's do I Set Myself on Fire. No, I, I feel like I Set Myself on Fire is what we, with the people. I mean, I want to give them World be, just because of how long we talked about the track, but. We got to go more, more math core on it. Let's give them the track that really uh, should be on this podcast. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to listen to um, I Set Myself on Fire. That's track one from Austere, and that came out on September 16th. Here we go.
All right, so that was I Set Myself on Fire by Sinzu, and that's track one from their new album, Austere, which came out on September 16th. So next we're going to talk about Storm O. Not really sure about um, how we're supposed to be saying that, but we'll get to that in a second. So Storm or Storm O. Get back a, to us, guys. <laughs> they're a four-piece hardcore mathcore band from Italy. Uh, they started back in 2007, as near as I can tell, releasing their debut EP that same year. Their second EP in 2009, and uh, finally their first full length in 2014. Seven year gap there, but um, uh, another in 2018, kind of making up for that. One of the tracks of which appears on one of our compilations, and now they're back with their third full length album, Finisteri, or Terre. Well, not really an expert on Latin pronunciation, but um, Storm O play music that, that could be described in a number of ways, including post-hardcore, mathcore, and even screamo at times. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of uh, very eclectic and versatile. Uh, the vocals are more like shouted rather than screamed. So uh, you said they are hailing from Italy? That's right, yeah. So I believe it's Italy that had rain. Uh, you guys had a, a really fucking like pivotal screamo band come from that. I, God, I swear to God they're from Italy. If not... Uh, I probably fucked it up, and they're probably from France, but who knows? You know, whatever. But uh, I would like to compare them to Rain and also Converge. I got a really heavy Converge. I know that's really, like, lazy to say that. Yeah, uh, I believe it's R-E-I-N. R-E-I-N. Yeah, Rain. Christian's looking it up right now. I fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like... Is it that spelling right there? Uh, R-A-E-I-N? Yeah, yeah, R-A-E-I-N. Yeah, it's been a while. There we go. Yeah, Italian hardcore punk. Italian, cool. Anyway, you were saying? Yeah, uh, but anyway, so they, they uh, this, 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 these guys really uh, reminded me of Rain. Uh, so, uh, well done on that because Rain fucking destroyed. Uh, they're dead now. Oh no, they're still, they're still around. Wow, they are still around. Okay, they got back together in 2007. Apparently, you guys should play a show with Rain then. They probably, <laughs> they probably have, and you just don't know about it. <laughs> Featuring members of Rain, like, oh god damn it. <laughs> God damn it. But no, uh, so, so storm. So can I just say storm for the rest of the time? Just yeah, for right. Okay. So, so storm, uh, it's a free country, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's our podcast. Damn it. Uh, they have quite, and if you don't uh, like it, move. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I, uh, they have quite a big discography. Dude, like they, they really do. They have been busy. Um, this is one of those bands where, yes, I've definitely heard about them before. Never really listened to them, but holy fuck, this last release is... Be- I would I would almost say there's like this chaotic Screamo feel that I'm getting, but that's also because like I'm just... My brain goes right to all the Screamo elements of this uh, band. You would. I, absolutely. Uh, stupid bitch. <laughs> it's... <laughs> um, it's... Wait, wait. Uh, yeah, I, I just... I, I don't have much to say about this band. It's just was really solid once again a full length that fucking you need to listen to the whole thing and you need to listen to it again um it's fucking heavy as fuck and i would like to say if anything they've really just have increased uh the punishment through the years so um yeah they've gotten better and better i have to agree on that i think this is probably their best effort so far it's probably the most aggressive musically too it starts off with like a quick little banger um and then uh kind of goes into like the more like blasty and like hardcore song uh, tim t morty with those like southern fried Kurt Ballou bends. Yeah, you know? yeah. I didn't know how to word those exactly. Yeah. Yeah, those bends are very like Kurt Ballou or, you know. Well, that's where I was getting the converge, I guess, mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really liked track three too, Movente. 
I think that was really good too with those slidey almost like Daughters-esque chords and it, it barely clocks in over a minute either so this album starts off really strong those first three tracks are good yep. it's like Loma Prieta and Jerome's Dream and Loma Converge. Prieta that was the other one Okay. Yeah, I mean, just to, like, as far as the, the, well, the vocals and the music, fuck it. Like, they both sound like Loma Prieta. Um, I would also compare them to Birds in a Row and Portrayal of Guilt. They compare themselves to Birds in a Row on uh, their band camp, even. Oh, so they? they're, they're definitely, they know what they're, what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely, they're just one of those newer bands that are like a, a metalcore screamo crossover. We're seeing more and more of that now in yep. the scene. Um, my favorite track was. I, it was either I qualify Senza is the same actually. Oh, absolutely, Those absolutely. Fucking breakdowns, yep. like. Um, I, I would say for the favorite for my favorite track, uh, I couldn't go. I was going between Vetro and then this other one, Relievo, Relievo. I don't know. R I L I E V O. Sorry, but I don't have that pulled yeah. up right now. Pull it up, god damn it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, track four. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, and then, I, yeah so, sure, but the yeah, track four and track six were definitely my faves. Yeah, they kind of lost me at track five with Ho Chi Minh. Um, it's kind of got that like CKY chorus heavy. That's like the only way I know how to fucking describe that guitar tone. But um, it kind of just dominates the whole two and a half minutes. But I think track six, fortunately, kind of like where it pulls you back in a bit. Um, some other tracks I didn't really care for. Um, I felt like they were phoned in was Vetro. You know, and uh, Progresso. Um, no, excuse me. Those are not the tracks, but fucking what was the track that I didn't... Anyway, we'll, we'll just move on. But You guys are pumping out 12 tracks on this, so kudos to that. It's... It gets... My, my point is, is after Metropoli, it starts to really, like, pick up a little bit more. Um, Metropoli has this, like, again, just really good, like, guitar tones. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of that on this record, that they're really using a good variety of guitar sounds. Um, and uh, what else? I had some other notes here, but... I guess we can just go ahead and move on. What, what track do you think we should listen to? I'm gonna say that Relievio, but um, let, let's stick let's stick between the the first three. I felt like we, they definitely started strong. Let's just go ahead and give them um, Trema, which is track one from Finis Terry, and that came out on October fourth via Moment of Collapse and Zegama Beach Records. Here we go. Right, so that was Trima, which is track one from Stormo's new album, Finisteri, and it came out last month. That will be our most indecisive we have ever been on this podcast. 
I already I edited all that out, dude. They're really? Not, they're not going to hear that part. Nope. Uh, it was f- <laughs> fucking almost, well, almost five <laughs> minutes of us jabbering. <laughs> We're not going to torture you with us not being able to decide on a fucking track. I'm just going to edit it on the spot and clip all of it so we fucking just, you know, sort of expedite the whole process. <laughs> it was messy. I threw a chair. <laughs> Broke a window. Had yep. it replaced. Had it replaced. He Anyways. paid for it. He apologized. <laughs> Insincerely, but... Anyways, it all, all edited it out. <laughs> All's well that ends well, right? <laughs> okay, so next we're going to talk about Body Hound. Body Hound are a four-piece instrumental prog band from the UK featuring former members of Rolo Tomasi. Whoa. I just found that out recently, too. Um, the, the new bassist, or I don't know how new those members are, to be quite honest with you, but the two most recently added members are directly from Rolo Tomasi, the bass player and the guitarist. Very cool. So um, they started back in 2013, from what it looks like, uh, released a fairly substantial debut EP, Rhombus Now, which practically qualified as an album. I think it was like six tracks, but um, they went silent for like five years after that until now. Rhombus Now. God damn it, dude. God damn it. <laughs> he gave me a face and everything for that one. You were happy, weren't you? I was. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty pleased with myself. Yep. Um, so now they're back with their new album, the new self-titled full-length debut if you will and it's massive um yeah and they they really that ep rhombus now really made the rounds back in the day i remember vividly that yellow cover with the face and the constellation on it i saw it a million times on Bandcamp, um and it just was for some reason i just was not gripped by them i really have kind of a prejudice against instrumental prog for the most part Ooh, yeah we we go back and forth on this one there's just so many fucking bands out there doing this very homogenized prog sound it all sounds like it's derived from Seneca and dream theater and i'm, I'm you and so i both love yaoi that's a completely different fucking animal my friend really that's noise rock that's not i mean it is progressive all music and it's uh, all music that takes oh, t- yeah. takes risk okay. is progressive right. yeah 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 yeah. and all you. music is an experiment so that's kind of a redundant tag to apply unless it's really a fucking wild unconventional experiment but um yeah i just i'm not a fucking fan of it unless you're goddamn Tosin Abasi, I really, I'm not interested. Like, I don't really, unless you're really showcasing some fantastic new techniques and wildly accomplished compositions, I'm not interested. But fortunately, this band are displaying, it's not so much the former, but definitely the latter. They're just speaking about, again, bands who are putting on, they just, they, they're, they put out songs that are so fucking accomplished and very big in their scope and vision, like very, very ambitious, long tracks with, huge huge long phrases that are just developed and um sort of subtly variated over and over again and almost a classical music like kind of uh, presentation i feel like this kind of music is so technical it kind of gets missed by a certain group of people to have a certain ear out there that you know it's just if it isn't four four it's and then if it's beyond that right because they're very they're i wouldn't say they're amelodic but there definitely is a lot of like what i would call chromaticism like it's not necessarily if if jazz is a Super bunch melodic. of if jazz is a bunch of noise to you, something like this, I mean, it must hurt your ear to hear something like this. And I get it completely. Myself, I will be honest with you. Since there are no vocals, uh, there wasn't that element to grab me. I really kind of felt myself a bit bored in listening to this, and I'm I mean that in just my just my honest opinion, I guess. No, totally. Again, I'm not a fan of prog, so I get what you mean. Like, there's this is not an easy listen. This is a challenging listen. It's very jarring. Um, but not the same way like grind is, you know, it's, it's I, I, I thought about it last night 
and if I heard this live, I might fall asleep with my beer in my hand, and I don't want that to happen. Listen, what I, what I think this band does well is develop a riff. Like they take a phrase and they stretch it out forever. And yeah, if yeah. you can't if you can't hang in for the five minutes to ten minutes that it might take for that to really fully develop, then it may not be for you. But I feel like they do all of this pretty pretty eloquently. Yep. Honestly, I think it's practically perfect for what they're trying to achieve. Really, like. I bet you they hear this a lot, being being a progressive band. Right, like you're, you're too long-winded. And that's my main complaint of Prague. Like, I, I make it no secret that I, I feel like the songs are way too overly long. They're too long-winded. Um, it takes them too long to express one or two ideas. Um, but I do feel like this is an exception, honestly. I feel like this is very accomplished, um, a very a great piece of progressive metal that is really almost akin to like a film score in the way that they approach their 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 themes. And um, since you don't really have too much else to say about it, I'm guessing, I would say no. that uh, they're for fans of Dysrhythmia, Horse Torso, and El Drugstore. I think if you go into this album... I had Horse Torso down for sure. Yep. Yeah, if you go into this album listening for something that is uh, a real... I wouldn't say improvisational, because that's what Horse Torso kind of... Excuse me, Horse Torso kind of implements, but just like that, that spontaneity of uh, a Colin Marston project. Yep. But once again, going back to that jazz, jazz is a bunch of noise. Like you might have that ear where it just that doesn't even hit you. You're just like this sounds so. If you don't understand what like you know, if you don't understand what metric modulation or counterpoint is, then there's no way that your ear is going to be able to appreciate what these artists are trying to accomplish. Yeah, and it's it's just it's not a matter of, um, it's just a matter that your your palate isn't developed. Maybe. Uh, I have been watching a lot of uh, it's Dan from uh, Horse Torso. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh no it's <laughs> yeah Danny 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 he goes I, by I, Danny D- does he go by Danny all right sorry Danny uh I like watching his videos he's really made me appreciate uh their style of music a lot more dude and the work behind the drummer and everything um and he's always continuously trying to like do new like just start something new and tr- just trying new things out I really I, I like to see the practice of what horse to- torso is so uh Danny thanks for posting all your shit out there yeah Danny Shear is a hell of a musician and you should go listen to horse torso if you like what you're about to hear now. So we're going to go listen to Spectrum. Even though I really like Bloom, uh, I feel like Spectrum is a bit more to the point. And that's uh, track two from their new album, their new self-titled album, which came out on September 20th. Here we go.
boring as shit. <laughs> How did it sound like again, Levi? <laughs> Not I just nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Levi doesn't like Prague. All right, so that was um, <laughs> that was Spectrum. And another thing about Rush, no. <laughs> <laughs> Old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> another thing about Rush. <laughs> Ah, uh, oh, Neil Peart is the best player. <laughs> Daily, right. you're all right. <laughs> so that was a uh, Spectrum, which is track two from Body Hound's self-titled album, which came out back in September. So next, we're going to talk about Unfurl. Unfurl are a four-piece blackened chaotic hardcore death metal band. You might even call them um, again, mm-hmm. sort of another the very genre-defying act from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Unfurl started back in 2016, releasing their debut full-length, Deathbed, and now they're back with their second LP, The Waking Void. The last album was full of very long tracks, but this time around they've managed to sort of distill some of their better elements. Yeah. And they uh, deliver more of a um, more concise performance, if you will. And unlike their last album, which had tracks clearing 9 and 10 minutes, this album has tracks that are far more digestible. And despite, uh, despite the fact that 4 out of 10 are interlude type tracks yep i have that written down yeah the remaining seven however are packed full of really really good content i i think it's just like they wanted a fuller album experience that demands you to sit through the whole damn thing well here's the thing about the interlude tracks uh if you look through the band camp they actually do acknowledge this uh so all the interlude tracks they were uh uh tracked um uh, to analog uh, cassette tape, uh, creating uh, what they call a, a silver sound uh, that ties the songs together. So they definitely had something specific they were doing there. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that that was um, intentional. I mean, I, it seemed like it was. I mean, it, they're trying to create an album experience, as I would sort of describe it. Yeah, their refined sound definitely brings me now to like this Gaza cult leader feel. Truly, throughout, you especially know. the especially the latter. Yep, just that sludge death metal. There is this like shoegazy kind of feel too, and I didn't even think they acknowledge that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so the biggest thing about this band, like music's great and everything, but Christian, I feel you should be very happy about this too. They have suggested uh, donations for uh, mm-hmm. their uh, pay as pay as you want. So not only is it pay as you want, on the bottom they're like, hey. Let us help you out here. This is what we would like. And they have three separate tiers. And even like the most like baller, I got a job and everything is fucking like a $7 to $10. It's like, they're still not making you pay 99 cents a song. I threw him four bucks for this album. Bitch. I mean, it's, yeah, I really got to. Well, how about this? I didn't pay anything yet. So I need to pay something. Get that. Still. I kind of gauge it by how many tracks if they're, if they're doing pay what you want. And I'm, I'm doing that. Then. You got I, kind of and stuff and I, I gauge it on how many tracks I love. That is the amount of dollars I'm usually willing to throw at a, a pay-what-you-want type of album. Yep. I usually try to throw more than $1 at a full-length album like this, because that's kind of fucking stingy. You'll probably get more people paying for the album in general. May it be $1, $2. I mean, you have people paying for your music. But yes. Um, that is the biggest thing. Unfurl, you get 1,000 MathCast points for the pay-what-you-want option. It gives and even the per- person that pays a dollar to the person that pays ten dollars. I mean, they all show up on Bandcamp and stuff as supporters, and I think that's the biggest thing about that purchasing through Bandcamp is showing how many people fucking you know care about that care about you that much that they've actually bought it. You know, a thousand points. Thousand, damn, really? <laughs> well, unfurl your fucking lucky week here. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can cash that in at uh, mathcoreindex.com. Laughing all the way to the bank. Is that how you use that expression? I don't think yes. so. Yes. Yeah. Nope. Oh, no, it's, okay. no, it's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Good. 
Never tried that before. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try <laughs> it again. Try it again. Yeah. Try it out for size. So um, anyway, yeah, they uh, it's a it's a big album. They take some risks on this by including some very soft and atmospheric tra- uh, sequences, especially Black Widow Hourglass. Yeah. Which I'm not gonna lie, it just seems like they, they if they put out a dark wave or whatever album in that same style, I would probably dig it. I think that track is independently good from the rest of the release even. Like I could see sitting back and like smoking a fat joint to that album or to an album of that music. We drove here with that slamming in the back there, so Well, we were listening to um we? the no, Cloud we were, Rats. The Cloud yeah, yeah, we were listening to Cloud Rats. That's actually. funny you yeah. say that because again, kind you said of, dark well you said dark wave. Yeah, and dark that wave really describe yeah, yeah, yeah. That describes that which we're gonna talk about later. Later on, yeah. Wow. Dark yeah, dark wave. Yeah. I'll give you that man. That um if you guys unfurl. Yeah. I think you Look did that, that really well. I think yeah. that's a fucking good track. Um, well said. I don't have any of that down, but well said, bud. In and of itself. Yep. Uh, the other track that I really like, actually my favorite track is Ritual by Fire. I think that's just like angular savagery. Um, I felt like, however, Withering Aeons is just a little bit phoned in, which is, um, what is it, track six? That, that was like the one track that I didn't really like. I didn't like some of begrudging lucidity as well. It kind of had some like cheeky minor third MySpace deathcore riffs in it. It's like, I feel like this is, they're better than that. I don't know. I don't know where that kind of like came out of. They kind of just like all of a sudden throw in these like deathcore elements midway through the album. And usually I, I enjoy that, but I, uh, it just felt so wildly out of character. But again, I think they are taking some risks and trying a lot of different stuff on this album just to kind of circle back to that. Um, Maybe it's just my, my personal preference on those things, but it just seems like one it's like this album has been recorded by two or even three different bands you know and one of them is channeling something that is like a bit more derivative and the other is channeling something that's a bit more inspired word that that's yeah fucking well said man um all in all though i think it's a fucking it's a good album though it's it's blackened um dark i really liked postmodern prometheus too which despite being like seven minutes long just develops so well and um on that note, I also like Lazarus Reflex, which is also very epic and expansive. Like they these, they they really know how to like write a good, substantial song, um, in a non-progressive, prog, if you will, context that still manages to like, you know, keep my attention, which is hard to do after four minutes. I'm not gonna lie. So, um, let's see here. Let's go ahead and listen to Ritual of Fire. Awesome. I, I would I agree Ritual with you. By Fire, but it's Ritual of Fire. Yeah, Ritual of Fire is my favorite track great uh and that's track two from the waking void and that came out on september 20th here we go
Alright, so that was Ritual of Fire by Unfurl, and that's track two from their new album, The Waking Void, which came out in September. So next, we're going to give you your release radar for the month of October. So first, Seizures released their new self-released album, Reverie of the Revolving Diamond. Easily one of my favorite albums of 2019, and tomorrow, Friday, you'll be able to watch their full set from Mathcore Index Fest 2019. Next, uh, Storm O, who we just talked about earlier in this episode, released their new self-titled album, Finiteri. Finisteri, not really sure about that. Uh, next, uh, Mind Power, featuring Bob Meadows of A Life Once Lost and members of Lygia, released their fourth EP of the year, Q4. Very, very prolific. Next, uh, Grievance by Kingling. Talked about them earlier on this episode. Excellent album. Sonic Citadel by Lightning Bolt. Not so crazy about it, but some of you would definitely be into that. Uh, Shadow Snakes, featuring members of Ed Gain, dropped a new EP, Bad at Parties. Milovich, Milovich, Milovich <laughs> dropped their new album, Our Hollow. Uh, Coil Guns released their new studio album, Watchwinders. And uh, let's see here. Norma Jean released a new album, All Hail. Kokoschka, who we interviewed very, very early in this podcast, released their new full-length album, their debut full-length album, actually, Women and Police Everywhere. I think it's their first full-length, actually. Um, uh, what else? Geisterfarer, who we've talked about a number of times, uh, released their new EP, Vivisection Parade. And a little bit of extra news to tack on here. Horse the Band just announced a few December dates, so hopefully we can look forward to another album and a more extensive tour. So that was your release radar for the month of October. So next, we're going to talk about Cloud Rat. Cloud Rat are a three-piece grindcore hardcore band from Michigan. Grind punk, if you will. Grind punk, yep. Self-applied label there. Um, the band started in 2009, going by their band camp. They released their debut self-titled in 2010, followed by an anthology of splits and EPs in 2011, their second LP in 2013, another anthology in 2014, a third LP in 2015, Two more anthology-type releases in 2018, and this year they released not only their third LP, but another EP in almost an entirely, well, a completely different style of music, making for what could only be described as a staggering number of releases. Four full-length albums, 11 EPs, and splits, a live album, and other various comps in one decade to directly quote their Bandcamp. Let's all let's all understand, right? Music doesn't really make you any money these days, so we all know CloudRat isn't probably making anything off CloudRat, and for them to be this busy, it's like they are acting like it is their fucking job. Just how sit back awesome and appreciate how prolific this band has been. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for you to take a breath uh, in between listing the, the releases, pretty awesome. <laughs> a big breath, because there's yep. still more to say. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty goddamn impressive. But yeah, man, uh, this this I mean, just like everything else, but this last release just I mean, fucking intense and blistering is what I would describe this as. Blistering is a perfect word. Yep. Yeah. So um, they just released their new full length album, Pollinator, and it is uh, they they've been steadily making improvements along the way. Like I didn't really care. I remember when this band came out. I thought it was a great name. There's a lot of bands that kind of had similar name schemes at that time too. I think. Um, but uh, I was a big fan of their. I believe it's 2016. It's a. I can't, I'm terrible. Like with a these. red cover. That's a. No, 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 no. Um, this one is a uh, tan with um. It looks like a. It, like actually, an M I, or something. It I confuses me with the Hive now. Smasher cover. Um, but uh, it's Quilif. Quif. No, Lifoth. Lifoth. <laughs> shut up, Christian. Fucking shut up. Just look at it again. If somebody, I hope somebody's making a reel of Levi's <laughs> butchering <laughs> of just words. I don't care what. Yeah, that one. That that thing. 
Clippeth. Anyways, that one. We made ourselves. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Period. So, um, yeah, again, they just have improved so much, and it's been a really satisfying arc to observe. Like, they, apart from Pollinators, I mentioned, they also released uh, another, another EP this year called Do Not Let Me Off the Cliff, and it's uh, it's Dark Wave, you know, or um, or Synth Wave, or whatever. I don't know specifically what you would call that, but it's some kind of wave. I believe these two <laughs> albums... Pulsating, you know. I believe these two albums... It, are supposed to be together, not not together completely, but they yes. came, they released together. That's correct. Yes, it was a bonus EP released as a part of the Pollinator LP. So we were talking about the the, the band before Unfurl, and that's where I kind of confused Unfurl with these guys because uh, Christian was calling them Dark Wave for a second. And I mean, you guys have already done it with this uh, Cloud Rat, this the separate EP, and it's by itself separated. Is I I dig it. I really dig it. And for you guys to take this jump. And to not only, you know, refine your sound that is Cloud Rat, but then pump something completely else. Taking big risks along Dude, the big risks and then putting it together and stuff. And, like, it, it sounds great. I fucking, I love it. I, uh, as long as this is the, the, I think the actual album's like seven tracks and then the other, then the EP's like four or five or something like that. It, it's so worth just to sit down and jam everything together. And even though this EP has, doesn't like flow with the, the, the first release, it, it's amazing. Uh, well done, guys. This this is something special, I guess. Yeah, it really is. I think they've just uh, they've really set themselves apart now. I mean, just apart from being extremely prolific and uh, relentlessly fucking gigging, and just being like I lied. It's fourteen the, tracks, I think. Right, fourteen tracks. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yes, yeah, fourteen. Just, just one of the nastiest bands out in the Midwest making fucking real dirty music. Yep. Uh, and if you're a cruster, if you're a hardcore kid, if you're a grind kid. I think even I think metal kids we can all we can all appreciate what Cloud Rat are going for. It's a fucking really really good band. Another thing, lyrics, awesome. Thanks for posting them. It's the shit. Um, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, their entire back catalog is available. Name your own price on Bandcamp right now too. Boom. So go go snag their stuff. So um, yeah, 14 tracks. Sorry about that. I said yeah. seven before, guys. Well, that's uh, that's the other EP. Yeah, the. <laughs> No, no. Well, anyway, let's just move on. So um, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and listen to uh, Losing Weight, which is track one from... Yo, that's the one I had. Nice. It's uh, it's track one. It's uh, it's the big ripper. So uh, Losing Weight, track one from Cloud Rat's new album, Pollinator, and that came out on September 13th. Here we go.
right, so that was Losing Weight by Cloud Rat, and that's off their new album, Pollinator, which came out back in September. We're kind of playing catch-up right now, if you haven't noticed. That's why we're covering so many fucking bands, and hopefully by January we'll be completely caught up with releases that are, like, from six weeks ago. This is not a bad problem to have. No, there's been a lot of fucking good music, and um, let's let's face it, we're kind of obsessive-compulsive about covering everything that's good that we like, so... Yep. We question we ourselves, and then we'll, like, we'll... We'll sometimes say no to a band or like cut it, and then like the next month be like, wait, yeah, we should cover that. And mm-hmm. so we do that to ourselves too. So, well, you know, sometimes we just don't have anything to say, is the other problem. And when that happens, we, we, we cut the band. We did one this episode, and we're not going to tell you who. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I mean, it, they, they, the band in question released a single, so it kind of wasn't a substantial enough material for us to really have a discussion about since we've previously discussed the band. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right, so next we're going to talk about Malevich. Woo! Mal- Malevich. I think it actually might be Malevich. Really? Okay. I'm pretty sure it's Malevich, not Malevich. Um, but uh, anyway, so Malevich, Malevich <laughs> are a uh, four-piece blackened hardcore grindcore band from Atlanta, Georgia. They started back in 2016, releasing their debut full-length the same year, and a split with Iron Gag last year, which we covered on this podcast. And after some lineup changes, now they're back with their second full-length album, Our Hollow. And uh, I feel like this band has a lot of parallels with Portrayal of Guilt, who we're going to talk about later on this podcast in terms of... On that black inside, for sure. Yeah, and that transformation into such. Like, they've just, as time has gone on, they've grown less prone to screamo elements and more towards, like, sinister black metal elements. Um, blackened, if you will, because it's not some, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a black metal purist who's listening to this podcast that's going to correct me and say, this is not black metal. Yeah. Although we do get hung up on classifying music because that's kind of our job. It's, it, sometimes I just get frustrated with how contrarian people are. Um, but anyway, uh, this record kind of shows some real maturation. Um, one track even clearing eight minutes, which again just kind of shows like how their scope has grown. They're trying new things. They're really embellishing even like sludgier sounds on this on this record. Man, I <coughs> this whole release. <coughs> sorry, by the way, everybody. If I found if I sound like shit, I have a fucking sinus infection right tell. now. So let's <laughs> hey, right now they, they know it. Ooh, um, but uh, I this this album uh, it is building. Thanks for ruining the podcast. Uh, this release is building in brutality and yet it still seemed to be like decomposing right in front of my eyes like this dude the sludge factor you know Ooh, like uh, that description yeah it's it, it's it's really well done um it is a step forward uh not saying the last release was not i'm just like the portrayal of guilt thing i would agree with christian they are taking elements of other things and really kind of honing it and making it their own uh i think that's really beautiful about just art in general uh it's not jacking somebody's shit it's just like taking a little five percent here a little ten percent here you know you probably don't even know that you're doing it you know um that's what i like to see in this and just this this is my favorite release on this episode so far um i go back and forth but i will stick with malevich or malevich I also like that the fact that guitar, drums, and bass, y'all are mic'd. You guys got that fucking screamo effect going on, which I always love. When the whole band's mic'd. They mic'd, do have that tag on their band camp. It is. A, really? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, I think that was a little more apparent, like I was saying earlier in their, their earlier releases. But um, they, they sort of maybe transcended that a bit more. I feel the blackened element uh, <laughs> really brings in this like pulsing tension to every track, where it's kind of... Uh, I guess portrayal of guilt will do it a little bit more, but this this tension of like what page ninety nine used to do, where they were just it was 
it would build and build and build and maybe come to something or maybe it would just build and build and build and the track would end. Um, I just love this tension that they have and what they, they've created. Yeah, you know, I really like that in that particular effect in you and I illuminated in waves of purpose for kind of being like pulsating, almost industrial towards the end. So yeah, definitely building up there. The yep. very, that's the very last track, by the way. I also really liked uh, Earthen Hollow, um, or Urban, excuse me, Earthen Womb, which is track one. Um, they, they, they came out with their strong foot forward there, but I think the best track on this release is The Endless Hunger of a Convenient God. I will say my favorite was track four, uh, Fractured uh, Exultant. Exultant. Uh, yep, no specific reason, just when I was blasting through it the three times I listened to it, that was the one that was grabbing me I the mean, most. speaking of blasting, there's just a ton of really good drum work on this album. It is really blasty, so I guess you can sort of infer that with the vocal stylings, that it is kind of blackened, you know? I am thoroughly into your artwork that you guys have for this release. They've always got good artwork, yeah. Yeah. It is just, just... It's like a pile of limbs underneath uh, some trees, like a, at the, the root of the trees. I always love the, I, I the idea of like decomposing bodies underneath roots and everything, because that's truly what it is, you know? I just love the artistry of that and just the illustration. The split art was also really good. The split artwork as well. That one, I, I, that I pulled when, up right now. when I went back, I was like, oh, right, this release, fuck. Oh, shit, there's a huge dong <laughs> on this cover I just noticed, too. <laughs> hey, hey. We always like that here at MathCast. Oh, tell my you God, that. there's titties on this as well. We're always down with titties. Whoa, 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 what? Yeah, anyway. Oh, and uh, man, their first their first cover was pretty good too, actually. Only the Flies. Well done, Malevich. Yeah, really good art, art aesthetic to their stuff, huh? Uh, if you guys are listening, get back to us on Malevich or Malevich. It's probably the... the it's the, on their Facebook. I'm pretty sure it says Malevich. Fair enough. Whoops saying Malevich forever anyway um so i think we should go ahead and give them that uh the track that i i cited because that's frankly the most math core track selfish all right whatever <laughs> all right so no no it's cool whatever just do your track yeah i know that's why we're moving on cool all so right. we're gonna listen to the endless hunger of a convenient god um for being very math core levi yeah okay <laughs> and that's uh what is that that's track five of their new album our hollow my podcast here we go fucker So fucking brutal. So that was um, 
Zooming that song again. The Endless Hunger of a Convenient God by Malevich. Said it correctly that time. And that's off their new album, Our Hollow, which came out on October 25th via Middleman Records and The Sludge Lord in the UK. Sludge Lord. Fuck yeah. They put out some really good shit. They put out Fawn Limbs on oh, the set as well. Okay. Yeah, they put out really good stuff. Go check out Sludge Lord. All one word, I believe. Or, yeah, that's the Sludge Lord on Instagram, I think. Instagram. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, I would I would say that band is for fans of uh, Full of Hell, Portrayal of Guilt, and Plebeian Grandstand, by the way. Oh, my God, I forget about them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just on the subject of, like, math, mathy, like, blackened chaos, there's very few, like, blackened mathcore bands. Um, Plebeian Grandstand and, um, what, what are they fucking called? The band, other band from Italy. Noise Trail Immersion. There it is. There we go. I didn't even there have to go. Google. Just used my fucking brain. All right, um, so next we're going to talk about Portrayal of Guilt. Oof! Portrayal of Guilt are a three-piece blackened screamo hardcore band from Texas. Started back in 2016, releasing their self-titled EP in 2017, a split, a single, and a full-length in 2018. And now they're back with their, uh, well, this year they've already released another EP and a single um, as part of a split, I guess, both of which expand on their... It's a split seven-inch, so just like one track, one track. Yeah. Yep. And they've they've expanded even more on this kind of extreme sound that they've been starting to develop, getting more, as I said, blackened. And uh, yeah, I've just noticed that more and more they start to lean into that sound and um we're just seeing more bands follow in suit too we're kind of covering both right we're covering the ep we're kind of covering the new track too right is that what we're doing here because well, portrayal portrayal was on our list for like months so we were gonna do the ep and then soft kill split just kind of came out of nowhere so then it's like all right well i don't want to just cover the one track right so we're kind of cover we're kind of talking about both here i guess um but uh i want to say something about the soft kill split i think in screamo in typical screamo fashion uh kind of like what orchid used to do uh with that split with pig destroyer uh i oh man um Oh, it was a judge for Battle of Neil Perry. They did one with, uh, they did a split with uh, the one one AM radio where it's a screamo band. They'll they'll do a split with a band that is completely fucking opposite of what they are doing. Mm-hmm. And I like what they did here because Soft Kill has this like dreamy goth sound. And may you start with that side or finish with that side. I really think they complement of what portrayal of guilt is going to give you in that short under two minute fucking ripper of a fucking track or maybe it's under two minutes i don't know but uh it's it's a fast track like i uh i kind of support that idea i i like it i like it a lot uh it's also just kind of a classic just seven inch thing just one track one track kind of kind of tight um all in all the ep was very very blackened (laughs) i love (laughs) the direction of where they've gone you're Um, playing math cast bingo you can go ahead and uh yeah, get that one there. Yeah, scratch I've that. only used Emotive once this time. Um, you, so yeah, thanks, dude. Uh, but the the EP is really digestible. The mm. black and chaotic screamo of what they do, they are taking once again, like we we're kind of talking about uh, before, with uh, just uh, with Malevich with pulsing tension. Uh, the same idea here. They have this building tension uh, that Page ninety nine offered that you just can't take away it, it you can tell that there's this like early screamo element there mm-hmm. with that said um if we were going to pick a track it would just be the track off their uh their their new split 
Um, I think that one is just uh, short and sweet in the best way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say either that or Disillusion, track two from Suffering as a Guilt. See, dis- <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know, like- man. Disillusion is probably the other one. Yep. It. I guess I guess Disillusion really embodies what they are right now, what yes. Portrayal of Guilt. I, I saw them play this a few months ago with uh, page 99 it fucking blew my mind just to see where they have come so far oh that's then, right you you saw them live huh? yeah and then to also see that them, show and then to also see them just fucking play with page 99 it was just hurting my brain so. minus 500 scene points for missing the page 99 portrayal you of guilt show for christian up. wait but then you add 250 because you i bought you a shirt what they don't need to know that okay <laughs> tell everybody stop fucking that. blowing up my spot you're such a bitch we like to buy each other shirts to the shows that we miss because you know we like that. And then we shame each other. Yep. For not going to the show. We it's give each confusing. other confusing. We give each other the eyes with somebody's like, "Hey man, nice shirt, thanks." Kind of look at each other. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't go to that show, did you? That's right. You know, honestly, I think I've I've got you. I've got a pretty uh, way more shows that I went to that you didn't go to. You never got me shirts, though, motherfucker. Okay. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Um. What would you say for uh, the playing the track though? You let's think just, that let's give them dissolution. Awesome. Not? I mean, it, it did come out on August thirtieth, but as Levi said, it's kind of like the best example, even more so than that song from the split of what portrayal of guilt's sound is right now. I'm pretty sure we've had them on two separate pollings these last two months. For weren't, weren't they on both polls? I'm not sure about that. I think we just had them on the October the, poll. On the October poll, okay. Yeah, and we just didn't. Um, or no, the September poll. I was bummed when they didn't make the first poll, basically. So well, um, they got they got voted, but we just you know we're um they're one of the bands that didn't get very many votes, so that's why you're hearing them now. Like boom. we try to rotate in the bands that still get a few votes, but didn't quite make the first cut into the next episode. So uh, that's a that's a nod to all of our Patreon supporters. Yep, thanks. Yep, we're here talking about this band because you wanted to hear us talk about it, and we really we appreciate your uh, your contribution and your suggestions. So, um, without further ado, we're going to listen to Dissolution, which is track two from Portrayal of Guilt's new EP, Suffering is a, Gu- uh, Suffering is a Gift, Not a Guilt. <laughs> and that came out on August 30th of 2019. Here we go. fucking good track boom so that was a dissolution which is track three from portrayal of guilt's new ep well their most recent ep suffering is a gift and that came out back in august what's funny is that they released the split in september it's fucking 
now it's November when we're doing it now. I don't know. Whatever. We we're breaking our own rules here. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We've been doing that more and more frequently, but it's like they they've the again people voted on this band, so we wanted to get around to actually talking about them. Yep. For you, for your health. <laughs> so next, we're going to talk about the sound that ends creation. Revisit. Yes, revisit, no less. The Sound That Ends Creation is a one-person mathcore project from Texas. Tech grind, even, if you will. One man, one band mm-hmm. project. One, one man band. <laughs> now, what was it you said back in the day? I can't even One remember. man, one band. <laughs> that wasn't it. Wasn't? It was far more stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. Uh, um, so uh, this project was started by the homie Chris Deering back in 2016. Thank you, Chris. Big big supporter of Mathcore Index. Thanks for just putting things out into the ether like this. Just um, br- brutal music, you know? Yeah. I, I Just pretty remarkably good run for a one-person metal project. You just don't see them. They kind of fizzle out after like one release. They join a band. He's just been pumping it out as one person forever. It's a damn shame that there's not people backing this as a live project. What? I mean... This needs to be, this needs to be a live band. Um, my, myself, I don't play uh, any instruments. Uh, I tried when I was younger. Uh, so I always tell Christian this, that I, I think it's really cool that he plays guitar because, I mean, just to be able to throw out uh, anything in your brain and play, uh, it's pretty fucking sweet. But then I just, I th- I think it must feel so, I mean, and I wish, I hope he gets back to us here, but it must feel so fucking cleansing and satisfying to be able to think of something brutal and not only write the music, but to conduct and play the music, and record the yeah. fucking music, put a fucking like artwork to it and everything, and then comes back. You know, uh, I just I would like to say that just as far as a one a one man project, this is fucking crazy. I, I just I love it's it's so well rounded, and he, he seems very talented, and so I say kudos to that. And also, it must feel fucking amazing. Yeah, I'd say that it's a, it's a pretty good accomplishment for being a one person project. Um, yeah, he released. Uh, Let's see here. I'm not sure if I already got to this, but at least a full length in 2016. No, you haven't yet. Yeah, he released uh, the debut full length in 2016, another full length and a single in 2018, or a cover, rather, and then um, like a metal cover of a Beatles song. Yeah, that was interesting. I, that, that was the one thing I didn't really care for. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really think that worked. Yeah, but I guess that was kind of... Wall. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was an idea anyway. Um, and uh, so now the Sound and Ends Creation is back with a third full length album. And this project could best be described as mathcore or tech grind. Um, very screechy, dissonant guitars, raspy vocals, and heavy, heavy keys. Like Ooh. lots of, I think the piano is something that really dominates this release, actually. I enjoy it. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say, man. Uh, just It's fucking just a well-rounded, brutal fucking release. And for it just being a person doing this, is, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it really is. Um He's actually got some vinyl coming out, two different vinyl no variants. No shit. Yes, I believe uh, some cassettes and uh, some CDs too. Yeah, he's got cassettes coming out through Riding Tiger Records, which is um, owned by the drummer of Secretary. He's wow. also putting out um, wow. 30 Seconds to Go's new stuff, who we're going to be talking about next episode. And 30 Seconds to Go, if you haven't heard them, they're like a, a mathcore band from 2009 that kind of like went away um, and just came back all of a sudden with some really good shit. Interesting. And be watching for a, a premiere of theirs through us, too, sometime later uh, in the next coming weeks. So um, back to the Sound and creation, though, since we're done plugging a bunch of labels. <laughs> um, I really liked The Human Race Makes Mistakes, You're the Worst That I've Seen So Far, 
we actually premiered a music video for that, which I'll link for you in the description. Yeah, um, that would be the one I would, uh, would be the track that I would pick as well. I mean, that's that's definitely like probably one of the better examples of the music on this release. But I also really liked uh, Civil Serpent and Pulling All 562 Teeth at Once. I think those are all really strong tracks. And those are just all tracks that are available right now. Actually, this, this album is still in the pre-order phase. So um, if you go to the band camp right now, you'll only be able to hear um, just a couple of songs as it comes out in its entirety on the 22nd. So let's see here. Um, we should go ahead and listen to, I think we should listen to the single that we premiered, uh, The Human Race Makes Mistakes, You're the Worst I've Seen So Far. And that's uh, off his new album, Music Designed to Give You Ideas in Case You Should Run Out of Ideas. I fucking love that. I can't remember where that is from. I can't either, but it's it's so vaguely familiar, right? It sounds it, like it's like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate uh, Factory or something. Yeah. Anyways, well done on that. That's awesome. And um, I'm just looking something up here really quickly because I wanted to give it just one last little plug. And I would say that it's for fans of See You Next Tuesday, Psyopus, and Cloakal Kiss. Ah, Cloakal Kiss. Good you know, reference. On the, yeah, the fact that it's kind of a cyber grindy project. Yep, yep. Not, not really. It doesn't have the obnoxiously digitized Got drum enough keyboards. Sounds, but yeah, the, the keys really. And the fact that it's a one-person project, like it kind of could also qualify it as such. So we're going to listen to The Human Race Makes Mistakes. You're the worst I've seen so far. And that's track two from Music Designed to Give You Ideas in Case You Should Run Out of Ideas. And that's coming out on November 22nd. Here we go. So that was The Human Race Makes Mistakes, You're the Worst I've Seen So Far. And that's off The Sound and Ends Creation new album. Music to give you ideas in case you should run out of ideas. And that's coming out on the 22nd of November. So next, we're going to revisit Delta Sleep. Say what? What? You all know Delta Sleep. They're a great math rock band from Brighton, UK. We've talked about them many, many times. You all know how much we love them. We've interviewed them before. They've been on one of our compilations. Um, they snuck this one in, man. Yeah, it's a real sneaky EP. So they, they just kind of fucking came out of left field with this, another live recording of way more laid back material. Um, almost kind of a slight stylistic shift on some of these tracks to more what I would consider accessible material. Agreed. Like, I wouldn't call it pop by any means, but they have 
again, it's just more accessible. It's kind of, um, it kind of reminds me of when Minus the Bear just sort of inevitably kind of made that pivot to like a more um, radio friendly sound. Not that I'm saying Delta Sleep is trying to like be on the fucking radio, nor do I think yeah. this is music that would necessarily be played on any radio station, certainly not domestically, but. There is a shift between Manos El, El, El Oso and then Planet, Planet of Ice. Absolutely. And then even more between that and Ohm or whatever the, or not Ohm, but uh, the, it's the track, the, the album after that or whatever. Uh, yeah, I did not care for that. I one. did not either. It has like Summer Angel ash bullshit on there, anyways. Um, but my uh, time, Oof. yeah, my time, yeah, my time. That, as soon as I saw, as soon as I heard my time, I was like, up oh, minus the bear, done. <sighs> That's at the end of my love affair with this band. You I mean, know what? I, I still respect them greatly, but I just I couldn't track them after that any longer. We we got to see them before they died. We did. Yep. Uh, no regrets there. They played an amazing set and they played every single song. I was gonna I say, to speaking hear. of Manos Oso, they definitely gave all that for. I mean, yeah, and they hadn't really been playing those songs prior to that. Okay, let's not get carried away talking about the, uh, Minus the Bear. Back if to Delta, Delta Sleep listens to this, they'll get it. Yeah, we can talk about <laughs> Minus the Bear for a second go back to Delta. It's all good. Um, yeah, because the two are sort of just... I see a ton of parallels between these two bands, so I think that's kind of what we just always end up back at Minus the Bear when we're talking about Delta Sleep. Yep. Uh, and There's not really too much we could say about the sound that we haven't already said. Uh, we'd just be making this kind of a redundant discussion. I don't have many notes on this. I, I just I did not take notes on this release at all just because I knew we'd be able to talk about it effortlessly. I would I, I just I do appreciate um it is even though it's a stylistic change, it's still Delta Delta Sleep. But yes, I appreciated the more just how they wrote the, the songs. I I felt it was just um easier to digest. Um and it, it's just nice to see that they're not trying anything crazy, especially when they sneak this one in out of nowhere. Right. They didn't just like spring like an electronic release on us or something. Yeah. And I thought there was already kind of Or a dark wave release. <laughs> well I mean this uh the <laughs> That was a welcome change from Cloud Rack though. What is uh, the release they did before this where they kind of took some of uh um they did a thing with the Japanese two piece or something like that, right? Oh, they did a they did a split with Tricot, I think. Yeah, yeah. Tricot. Yeah, so that or I thought a collaborative, was, a collaborative. Um, yeah, because it was like Ghost City, just like done like they. I don't, yeah, it, I, I'll be honest, I really wasn't feeling that whole release. No, uh, but I didn't uh, care for it either. but even that, I'm glad that they after this this Ghost City's rarities, they came back to just being Delta Sleep. So rock and roll. Yeah, you got, you got to applaud just. Again, trying new things. We we applaud experimentation at large, and I, I think it's it's nice to see they they did that split with Tricot, as Levi just said, and now they're doing this uh, another live recording of sort of as I said, laid back material. It's really like non non aggressive um, or less aggressive than their other stuff, and a bit more accessible. It's crazy to see like where they tour and where they play shows. I mean, truly, everybody loves Delta Sleep. R- really, they do. Um, I was just yeah pulling up some of their tour dates so I can share that with some of our listeners. Um, they do have some Asia dates coming up. Um, they're back in November in Osaka, Tokyo, Singapore, Manila, and Bangkok, 18th to the 24th, respectively. They're going to be going to South America next year in April, and they're going to be back in the United States in April as well. Um, we're definitely planning to see them. I'm just trying to find those tour dates. I can't find it right now, though. Anyway, you can look that up online. They're going to be coming back to the United States in April. So we're going to go ahead and listen to... Oh, wow, this EP even came to vinyl and everything, too. Mm-hmm. Wow, oh, yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, okay. Big Scary Monsters backs everything that they do. And Big Scary Monsters just backs really good bands that are... I think we talked like about them this. in the interview with Delta Sleep. There, there were... Uh, I mean, yes, thank you. Crash of Rhinos. Just like, thank you to you guys out there that are part of that that label. Uh, we appreciate everything you press. Good good label, good yep. scene, great, great fucking bands. Yep. All really just inspiring and uplifting and... Real, real solid catalog there with Big Scary Monsters. Agreed. 
That was an unpaid <laughs> endorsement. <laughs> no, 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 no. The check's right over here, dude. I already, I already have a cash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. So, um, yeah, we're going to listen to In the Air, which is track one from Delta Sleep's new EP, Younger Years. Their sneaky little EP. Uh, and that came out on, uh, again, just no no PR whatsoever. They unannounced just dropped an entire EP. Do more of this. Yeah. <laughs> and that came out on September 27th. Here we go.
All right, so that was In the Air by Delta Sleep, and that's off their new EP, Younger Years, which just came out last month via Big Scary Monsters. So next we're going to go ahead and play you our interview with Pound on their tour with The Number 12 Looks Like You. Here we go. Hi, everyone. This is Jay from Mathcorndex here today with Ryan of Pound, who are on tour with The Number 12 Looks Like You and Godmother promoting their new album, Wild Gods. If you wouldn't mind saying your role in the band and favorite Google Doll song. Uh, yeah, my name's Ryan Schutte, and I play guitar, and I ha- don't know any Goo Goo Doll songs. <laughs> Most people don't know any Goo Goo Doll songs, but awesome. So, my first question uh, is, Pound has been described as taking inspiration from bands such as Mashuga, Botch, and Coalesce. Because your music is so unconventional, even for a genre such as mathcore, I would love to know right from the horse's mouth what are some of your biggest musical inspirations, and where do you feel your music falls in terms of genre? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a lot to unpack. Um, let's see. Personally, one of my biggest musical influences is a grind band from Spain called uh, Troco Tombics. I've been a big fan of theirs for years. Um, I take a lot of influence from, uh, from really progressive grind bands like Gridlink. Um, I like uh, Beaten to Death a fair amount. Um, let's see. Anti-Gamma, Die Choking, lots of things like that. I, I love to do a whole bunch of grind. Um, for the slower stuff, uh, I take a lot of influence from Admiral Angry, 7.5 Tons of Beard, LLNN. Um, yeah, lot, lots of... I, I listen to a lot of music all, all across the board, and I, I think that that contributes a lot to the reason why um, our music tends to be a little bit more difficult to pigeonhole. We're drawing from a, from a very, very wide uh, array of influences, and we, we really do the best that we can to put it all in a blender. And... Um, part of the goal of the band is to make things flow uh i if we have an a very intentional switch from one genre to another or a very abrupt change i want it to be a very intentional thing um the goal should be to have the the different genre influences blending from one into the other and have it be seamless and uh that that took a really really long time to figure out um, I know uh, David's influences are, are around the same. We, we both just listen to such a wide array of music across all kinds of different genres. Um, I've been on a big country kick lately. I've been listening to a lot of Sturgill Simpsons and Coulter Wall. Um, uh, just all, all kinds of stuff all over the map. We've been listening to a lot of electronic music lately in the van. Um, there's, a, there's a producer called Stefan Bodson that does some really awesome minimalist polyrhythm stuff. Uh, we've been listening to a lot of that. Uh, a fair amount of Dawn of Midi. Um, yeah, our, I mean, we, we just like listening to music. We're music fans first and foremost, and I, I don't think uh, neither David or myself really consider ourselves metalheads. Uh, we, we just consider ourselves fans of music, and... The music that we make just so happens to be heavy music. Um, as far as genre stuff goes, I I haven't really worried about any of that for for pound for quite some time. Uh, a long time ago, we used to try to pigeonhole ourselves and say, "Okay, we're going to be this kind of band. We're going to write this kind of music and go in this direction." And uh, it was really stifling. And it the music suffered, the band suffered, and it was uh, it was really difficult on the both of us to rein in our influences and try to aim things in one direction or another and we found that uh we we do a lot better when we just let everything flow naturally and we let all the influences in 
I, I think I covered all of those. Yeah, that sure. was a very in-depth and beautiful answer. Thank you. So, um, what I find so interesting is your song naming process, which mm-hmm. is every track is named after the repeating drum patterns, right? Throughout that song. Somewhat, yeah. We, we pick one of... Uh, we pick either the first section of the song or our favorite drum part of the song, and then... Um, we came up with a, a really very archaic knuckle-dragging caveman version of drum tabs to, to write out the song titles. Um, right. Part of the reason for that is uh, with, with no lyrics and no vocals, it, it gives the listener even less of a jumping-off point. You know, it's it's art, it's music. It, it should mean what it can mean whatever it you want it to mean, and we want the songs to mean whatever the listener wants them to mean to that individual person. I hope that kind of makes sense yeah. a little bit. So um, my follow-up question is, where did this idea come from, which you which you answered, but um, how has this unconventional song naming process introduced any roadblocks when talking to fans or announcing the next song at a show? Or uh, Well, we don't announce our songs. Right. Um, <laughs> and we, I learned we, that from last night's yeah, performance. Yeah, we, we just we don't bother to announce songs. Uh, I've ran into... Uh, a very small handful of people that have taken the time to to memorize the song titles and then regurgitate them to me in conversation and I'm always blown away that someone would actually take the time to do something like that and it's always uh it it's been really bizarre to to have so many people that are interested in what we're doing we're we're making such eclectic weird uh borderline masturbatory music that it's it's just uh it's very humbling that um that people are are latching onto it and uh it's 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 cool i'm both david and myself are, are still kind of trying to wrap our heads around it a little bit it, it's um when someone says that they're a fan of the band or that they really like what what we're doing it's kind of uh my first instinct is really like you you know there's a lot of other bands that exist right like there's other music out there but you know it's it's cool we're we're stoked that people are um are starting to connect with what we're doing you know it's it's, it's a very good feeling beautifully put and can you name some of your songs? Oh no, not at the top. We we have <laughs> uh, we have pet names for all of our songs that David and myself know that we just like that we can use to uh, to discuss songs. And um, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes the names relate to a, a certain section of the song, a difficulty level. Um, some of them are pet names. Uh, like we have uh, we have one song in the last album that the the writing name was Eleanor after um, Nicholas Cage's car and gone in sixty seconds like because <laughs> okay. it was the one that he could that he could never get and uh, you know at the end of the at the end of the movie he ends up uh, spoiler alerts at the end of the movie he ends up finally getting the car and the car is like broken and falling apart but he like got it and he's like I got the car I got the car it's in one piece I got the car it's still there there's the car and. That was kind of how it felt playing through the song every time we did it, because like we'd get through it, but it would just be like kind of in shambles and not as tight as we wanted it to be, and kind of falling apart. And I felt like the recording process for that particular song was kind of like that too, because we had to do so many takes and we really had to hammer on it to get it right. And um, you know, a lot of our songs just have have just like stupid pet names like that. Um, but you know, as I said, we we want. We want the audience members to have uh, no jumping off point. We we want it to mean what it, whatever it needs to mean to them. Right. What would you say are some of your favorite pet names, if not Eleanor? Uh, I c- I couldn't really say. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the secret. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, know, I, I know very little about guitars, but I did some research and I found 
that uh, most people don't play something as heavy and long and enlarged as a baritone guitar. So what guitarist inspired you to play a nine-stringed baritone guitar? Where did that come from? Well, I originally started um, looking into extended range guitars because I wanted to fill in uh, the sonic space that's left empty when you don't have a bass player. And uh, there were there were a lot of years and different iterations of my rig and lots of experimentation to figure out what would work right. And um, we uh, there there was just lots of trial and error. And I'm I'm finally very happy with uh, with where my rig is now and. And how the guitar is like I, I I don't really I don't really view the guitar as the only part of the instrument like I, I think of the whole rig the guitar the pedal boards like the, the amp cabinets all that I think of it as like one part of the whole it's uh, thinking of the guitar as the only part of the instrument is kind of like thinking of the snare drum as the only part of the trump kit like it's it's, it's it's part of a, a bigger piece it's part of a working whole um, and once you start thinking about about it like that uh, it, it frees a lot of things up. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, the, uh, I moved to, uh, to a baritone guitar so that I could use, uh, lighter gauge strings, um, and still get the, the same amount of string tension. Um, I do a lot of, uh, finger picking. I, I used to work at a bluegrass store for a period of time, and, um, I got, uh, I got really into, uh, trying to figure out how to play banjo, te- how to do banjo techniques Very on, cool. uh, acoustic guitars, and, um, I, uh, I... I've carried a lot of those techniques over to um, the things that we do, and it's it's really hard to uh, to get the picked notes to come out when you're finger picking if you have really thick gauge strings. Uh, it, it's it's just one of the drawbacks of hybrid picking. And um, with uh, extended range guitars, you know you have to have thicker strings for for those lower notes. Um, and so to compensate, I, I use the baritone. Um, because it lets me use thinner strings, and um, plus I think that it uh, it helps out with articulation a little bit. It helps cut cut down on a little bit of the mud, which uh, help definitely helps out a lot. Um, you know, when you're playing an extended range instrument, one of the most important things to do is to to try to make every all the low end notes as, as clear as you can possibly get them. Um, and it uh, it took a lot of time to kind of get that get that dialed right. I, I use um, I use a lot of a, a bass. Uh, approaches to my tone to make everything work right. Like I, one of my rigs is uh, is mostly clean and uh, and fairly undistorted, and then the other rig has just lots of distortion, and I kind of blend them. That way, I have the clean allows uh, all the notes to actually cut, no matter how distorted and dirty I'm getting with everything. So it, it's it, it it's it's taken a lot of time um, and a lot of nerding out in my basement and uh, a lot of um, I call it the Sweetwater rental. You know, where you, you you buy something, you try it for a little bit, and then you re- just return and send it back. And I'm sure I was, uh, I'm sure they were getting really annoyed by the amount of candy that they were sending me for about a year there when I was like trying to dial some new things in. But yeah, very very cool. Um, so I'm gonna backpedal a bit and just ask about when you first started Pound. I would love to know where which of the or I. I would love to know which of these ideas came first. The instrument setup, the song naming process, or the psalm writing. Because to me, these are the traits very unique to Pound. Right. Um, let's see. The, uh, I think the songwriting came first. When we, when we first started the band, um, we didn't want to be a band. We, we had no desire to be a band. Um, both of us were in projects at the time, and we were just... 
we were tired and frustrated from for various reasons not necessarily because of the bandmates um but we we were just so burnt out and neither one of us wanted to be in a band um but we still liked playing our instruments and we wanted to get better and we liked making music with other people uh so what we would do is we would just write all these all these bizarre rhythm exercises um Rhythm's always been a lot more interesting to me than lead stuff. Like, I, I, I like weird rhythm stuff a lot more than I do flashy playing and, you know, in leads and things like that. Not, nothing against it. I, you know, I like a lot of really cool, shreddy guitar playing music, but uh, personally, I, I prefer playing rhythm stuff. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we wrote all these weird rhythm exercises um, that we would just spend just forever working on and uh we would just spend hours and hours until we we could get them down and um none of them were actually songs it was just like weird you know non-musical exercises and uh eventually uh we got to a point where like some of those ended up being these these weird freeform pieces and um we kind of uh we kind of started stitching them together just to like see if we could flow from one into the other and like how to how to make them work, and uh, we ended up playing a house show just as, as kind of a one-off thing, just like a, this might be fun just for a one-off thing, and uh, it went really well, and we both had a, had a lot of fun, and um, you know, that that's kind of how it started. Uh, the the song naming, I, I think I, I think I already covered fairly well. Um, the, uh, the instruments uh, came after the fact. Uh, at the time, I was playing on a seven-string guitar when we first started. Um, David had two different drum kits at the time. Uh, he had uh, one with a huge kick drum and one with a small kick drum. And the kick, the large kick drum sounded awesome for all the slow sludgy things that we did, but it sounded awful for all the really fast stuff. And uh, the inverse was true for, uh, for the smaller kick drum. And um, at around that time, uh, we had both just, just gotten out of school. We didn't have shit to do. Uh, I had just like a two three day a week thing i was still living at my parents house as was he and so we just spent eight, eight to ten hours a day um in my parents garage just like playing music and um you know i think uh i think switching out the kick drums depending on what exercises we were working on or what songs we were working on eventually led led to the double drum kit thing because we realized well instead of just like moving everything around he could just rotate and we can work on whatever it is we're working on in that kit, and then he'll just switch back. And then eventually, through linking the exercises together, we realized that he could just swivel back and forth. And uh, I think that was kind of the origin of it. Um, you know, it's 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 really become a huge part of our sound, and it's it's helped us add a lot of dynamics to our music that that can kind of be missing a little bit when you're playing in a two-piece because like the goal is to fill up all the sound that you would have with a full band and it's it's really difficult to do that and by having that big kick drum and the lower tuned snare drum off to the side it uh it, it really helps accentuate certain parts um and uh it's it's a it's a goddamn nightmare in the studio like it's 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 like trying to mix two different albums at the same time, which is just a colossal headache for anybody we're working with. And um, but I think for and it's it can be a huge pain in the butt for uh, live engineers as well. But I, I mean, it's it's not a gimmick thing for for us. It's, it's a really huge part of of what we do. Um, 
and it really helps fill things in a little bit. Plus the audience reaction when David swivels kids and starts playing on the other kid, it's like this big explosive moment, you know, and it, it really it gets people more involved and, and anything we can do to to uh, hammer home that the people in the audience are part of the show with us, uh, I, I want. Like, I, I want people to feel like they're involved in it. And I, I want people to be involved in, in the things that we're doing. And, um, you know, having that kick drum and having that swivel moment is just like, it's, it's such a cool, it's such a cool thing that, um, that I don't see a lot of other bands doing. So, you know, I, I think I th- I'm rambling a little bit, but I, th- I think I covered everything. Yeah. No, not rambling at all. That was uh, the perfect answer, um, the ideal answer. So lastly, uh, this is what I understand to be your biggest tour yet. Um, and you definitely feel right at home in the bill playing alongside the very talented folks in Godmother and number 12. What has the crowd reception and turnout been like for you guys? Uh, it's been fairly good so far. Um, you know, I think uh, I think at every show there's, there's some people that really like what we're doing and there's some people that that aren't too into it but you know i think if you're if you're making any form of art that everybody just universally loves i you know what's what's really the point of that are you really contributing much of anything um you know it's uh i i mean if if people aren't into what we're doing you know that's that's fine with me there's a lot of bands and a lot of art that i don't really get into too much myself but you know the things that i do get into i really enjoy a lot and you know i i hope that some people get into what we're doing and enjoy it as much as I enjoy other forms of art. So, you know, um, it, it's definitely intimidating playing uh, playing with Number Twelve and Godmother on a nightly basis. Uh, the, the dudes and Godmother are just such fantastic musicians, and they put on a really, really explosive show on a very consistent basis. And uh, Number Twelve has just been doing this for decades, and and their their live show is just so on top of the board, and the music is just so completely outside the norm of anything that uh that anybody's really used to listening to it's um it's definitely a little bit intimidating it's forced us to step up our game a little bit and rethink uh how we go about performing um i definitely have a bit of a habit of being a bit of a stage potato like i'll just stand there and just play because I'm, i'm really focused on on getting everything right um but I'm uh, I'm really trying to make more of an effort to just uh, accept the mistakes that I make um, in the sacrifice of the performance. You know, if it uh, if I screw up a couple of notes, but I'm having a really good time, the audience is into it, and I'm running around a little bit more and being more engaging, then you know it's doesn't really matter. You know, and uh, it, it's kind of forced me to to reevaluate how I feel about playing live. Um, which is a good thing, you know, if, uh, if you don't reevaluate the things that you're doing on a daily basis, on a consistent basis, then, um, then you get stagnant and, uh, you, you don't really realize the mistakes that you could be making and, or you don't see ways to improve the things that you're doing on a constant basis. And, uh, that, that's something that I'm, I'm pretty adamant about. And so any, any, any scenario that forces me to, rethink my habits is I'm going to call it a win so yeah well perfect the music's amazing the live show is amazing go see Pound thank you so much and uh, come check out Pound on the Wild Gods tour if this goes up before uh, the tour ends and thank you so much for watching Math Core Index alright so that was our interview with Pound and thanks so much to Jay Dino for going out and interviewing them 
So before we wrap this up, I just want to remind everybody, please subscribe on iTunes, leave us some love, leave us five stars, leave us a review. If you have any questions or comments, you can send us an email to mathcorynix at gmail.com. The podcast is on Spotify and SoundCloud as well, if you haven't already uh, found us there. We also are very active on YouTube right now. Again, we're doing uh, some video polling, restoring a bunch of classic footage and putting it on our YouTube channel. So if you'd like to be a part of that voting process and gain early access to... And gain, ex- and gain early access to exclusive benefits like video content, the podcast, our reviews, etc. Uh, go to patreon.com slash mathcoreindex. Um, to anybody out there that is just kind of starting to listen to stuff, I mean, we only do this podcast once once a month, so I think it's nice that we got um, other stuff out there to fill the void. Um, we got the Discord chat for the Patreon supporters, um, just uh, Mathcore Index uh, on Facebook and everything. Uh, just it's it's a big community, so it's a uh, it's nice that we uh, have other things just to you know fill the void. I guess. I'm assuming you probably found us because of either Facebook or Instagram, because we're very. I mean, Facebook is our biggest presence. Like we post there. 10 times a day probably we used to pop up um on like the suggested metal uh podcast for itunes and stuff but i'll be honest there is a lot of hardcore and metal podcasts now in this last year or two that have popped up mm. so it you know we're a little more a little more saturated on that side so yeah i guess you know m- most listeners are probably already you know in tune with that but if anybody didn't know we only do this like once a month so yeah we're just a once a month podcast but uh but we need that month i mean because we, we pop the bands in the discord i'm uh, not in the discord but i mean uh yeah in the discord chat and i mean they jam the records, and then they got we got to do the polling and stuff. I mean, we couldn't do any more than once a month, I think. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, with just the the amount of stuff that we're doing, we're kind of just doing multiple episodes in one episode. I mean, I think most podcasts run about, I mean, like what an hour long. Like we go two hours sometimes. So yeah, and this is including the stuff that is on here. I mean, this is an edited podcast, so we also have things that we have to like take off, or we've said six times in a row, like today, Christian. <clears throat> I don't even know what that was this time because it, it's happened. It happens too much. But we cleaned up this podcast. But I will tell you right now, we have been the most indecisive. And uh, take one, take two, take three, take four. Uh, so, anyways, <sighs> sometimes we just can't get it right. Yeah, we got it though. All right. So I guess that about wraps it up for the thirty-eighth episode of Mathcast. I'm your host Christian, and I'm your co-host Levi. And we'll be back again next month with some more sick underground bands. Good night and stay beautiful. <laughs>